Turn with me to 1 Peter. God's name is excellent, right? <laughs> excellent in all the earth. Thank you so much, choir and worship team. Now let's turn to 1 Peter as we are continuing our time in worship there this summer through uh, walking through this epistle together. If you'd like to use the Bible, it's provided for you there. You're going to find that uh, text in chapter 1 on page 1014. So I encourage you to turn there. And we are praying for a number of folks that are uh, not with us, but they're about important things. I uh, just wanted to bring you up to date. Every 9.30 service here for these last few weeks over in the around building, uh, back behind the hub, we've had about uh, 70, 75 adults that have been meeting over the last few weeks in training, talking about values and vision for Emmanuel Church, the church plant from West Park. So we're very excited about that, that group that's forming. And so we'll ask you to continue to pray about that, that God make it very clear for those who are going to go and be a part of that uh, wonderful, wonderful mission. And so pray about that as also you pray for pastors, uh, Derek and uh, Jared as they're leading that. So that's important mission work going on right now. Plus we have a team of nine coming back from Greece this week that have uh, been over there serving in refugee ministry. And then just yesterday we had 49 of our students and uh, those that are uh, leading that team are made their way up to Toronto and they're traveling the rest of the way today. So be praying for them for a great great week of ministry uh, up there in Toronto. So exciting mission happening. But all of us are on mission, right? Our lives are on mission and our life is a journey. And it is a journey for our excellent Lord. You could not have had a better, better preparation for our text this morning than what the choir just sang about the excellence of our God in our theme is about recognizing through 1 Peter that we are excellent to be excellent as exiles serving the Lord. We are exiles. Here is not home, right? <laughs> That's the reason we can sing so about uh, it's well with our soul, but we're looking forward to that day when Jesus Christ comes, the sound of the trumpet and the the skies, clouds parted, Christ coming. But until that day he comes or he calls us home, we are on a journey and the Lord has called us to live excellent lives even though we are in exile from our home. Be excellent in our lives as we're on this journey. Now this morning, I want you to look at chapter one with me. And as we think about our journey we're going to be looking at what is to be the food for our journey, the food that the Lord gives us for our journey. Now, I don't know if you have someone, uh, maybe when you're on vacation, we have a lot of people that are on vacation this week and for the next few weeks, but do you have anybody maybe in your family that they just, when they go on vacation, they prepare for all eventualities, okay? I mean, they want to be prepared for everything. Do you have anyone like that? Okay, I'm married to someone like that. Susan is prepared for anything. I mean, you could be on vacation with her and you could, you could say, you know, if I just had some vice grips, you know. <laughs> 
and she would say red handles or yellow handles, which she, which she want. I mean, it's unbelievable. And especially food. I mean, when, when we go on vacation, our van, like it would turn into a food truck. All right. I remember a few years ago, she and I were on a trip uh, to teach in Romania. And uh, we flew through Atlanta. And uh, as we were waiting and waiting and waiting uh, there in line, uh, the planes lined up to take off. Um, the pilot comes on. He says, well, folks, you know, we're, uh, we've got a long way here ahead of us. So just be, be very patient. And so, okay, there was a little groan that went up. And then he came on and said, folks, uh, nothing to worry about. We, but we've had a light come on here in the cockpit. And so uh, we'll just be pulling over to the tarmac here, make sure we work on that for a little while, and we'll be ready to go. And time just went by, and time went by. And finally he says, well, while we're out here on tarmac, they're going to be sending out technicians, going to check on some things. And there was a groan that went up. And my wife looked at me and said, could you get, could you get my carry-on down? And I thought what? And, and she said, just get my carry on. Just get it down. Well, I re remember putting it up. <laughs> it was, all right. I didn't want to get it down. She said, just get it down. A little smile that says, I mean it. So I got it down. And she opens it up you, it is filled with snacks of every kind. And before I know what's happening, she stands up on the plane and says, party on row 35, party on row 35. People came from everywhere, you know, and making all these friends, you know, and uh, amazing. Yeah, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's my life. <laughs> Just lassoed that star a long time ago. And then, you know, every believer's on a journey. We're all on a journey. And we're all exiles. And the Lord has called us to live excellent lives in exile. But if we're going to do that, we've got to have excellent food. We've got to have excellent food. And I want you to see this morning that Peter, as he talks about us being exiles, tells us about the food that we must have for our journey. Excellence in exile requires that we eat excellent food. And we have excellent food to eat every day. Verse 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the gospel the good news that was preached to you. So, putting away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn infants, 
Long for the pure spiritual milk that it may cause you to grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now here Peter is challenging us as exiles. He's challenging us about our food for our road trip. Food for our souls. You could say he's challenging us to make sure we have plenty of soul food for our trip. And we do. The soul food is the word of God. I want you to notice that Peter reminds us, he's reminding us, and the Holy Spirit writing through us is reminding us of how important the word of God is for us to live excellent lives as we're on our way home. Now notice he says here that we're to remember as we think about our salvation, we are to remember the power of God's word upon your life. Remember the power of God's word upon your life. Peter is communicating the essentialness. If you, if you listen to that text and you read those verses, Notice there is no separation really of thought between chapter one and chapter two. No chapter divisions in the original uh, language. It's one continuous flow. He's talking about the essentialness of the word of God and he wants us to make sure we understand the essence. The, The real essence of the word of God. And he he says these things about it. He, He says, I want you to remember that the word of God is living and life giving. It's living and life giving. Did you hear that verse 23? Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Then look at verse 25, the second part. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. He's talking about God's word being living and life-giving. God uses his word to share his life. He uses his word to share his life. Just as God breathed into the nostrils of Adam the breath of his life so that Adam became a living soul and humanity now lives because that literal breath of God entered into our forefather Adam. He is using the same idea that God has breathed into his word so that it is alive with the very life of God. It's living and it's life-giving, it's alive. Friends, I want you to remember, this book is not a record of what God once said long, long ago. This is a record of what God is saying right now. You see, with God, there is no past, present, or future. 
So this book is not something that God said a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. This is what he is saying. How different it makes us approach the Bible when we open the Bible and we say, God is speaking. God is speaking. He's the living God and his words are living words. Peter says, it's the word of God that has saved you. It is living and abiding. It is living and life-giving. It brings new birth. Verse 23, he says, this is the word. This word is the gospel. It's the good news that was preached to you. The Lord gives new birth. He gives new life through his living word. He uses his word. Verse number 23 says you've been born again by the living and abiding word of God. The term word there is logos. And it means the whole message, everything that it contains. But he says, now this is the good news that was preached to you. This is the word, verse 25, of the Lord that remains forever. And that phrase is not logos, it's rhema. It means an utterance. This God who is a speaking God, he speaks through his word, the Logos, but when he speaks it to your soul with the good news of the gospel, it is his message to you, life-giving. It is his utterance, and it gives life. See, the gospel is the message of God that gives life because it is from the living God. It's a lie, <laughs> The living God. God's word is alive. God's word is life-giving. When you read it with an open heart, the Lord God who lives will speak to you and he can make you alive through his word. You know, a lot of people have asked me from time to time, what kind of witnessing technique do you use? And I understand why they mean by that is like, do you use what's called the Romans road? Walk them through some verses there. Or do you use maybe the four spiritual laws? Or do you use other presentations in the gospel? And all of those have their place. But let me tell you what I really encourage people to do who I think are sincerely seeking or, unless, or at least they're sincere agnostics. <laughs> you know, there's honest agnostics and there's dishonest agnostics. Honest agnostics means they don't know, but they are interested and willing to find out. A dishonest agnostic is someone who says, I don't know and I'm not going to even try. And as a matter of fact, they're not looking for God. That's the reason they're not finding him for the same reason that a thief isn't finding a policeman. They're not looking. But if someone is a sincerely, they're seeking, they want to know, you know what I do? I say, start reading the Bible. I get them to start reading the Gospels. And I say, if you will just do this, I challenge you. I challenge you, just pray this prayer. God, if you are real, and Jesus is who they say he is, I want you to reveal yourself to me and read the Bible. I wanna tell you, the Bible is alive. 
is alive because God is alive and God reveals himself through this living book. And I tell you, if you're struggling with doubts, my friend, you're struggling about whether you can believe this, if you can really believe your mom and dad's faith or you can really, really know, take your doubts to the word of God and read the word of God. It is living and life-giving. And notice something else. He says, it is timeless. The word of God is timeless and timely. Timeless and timely. Verse 24, he says, all flesh is like grass. All its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. The word of the Lord is timeless and timely. And so that means the word of the Lord, the Bible is completely reliable. Completely reliable. What does, what does God say about himself? He says, I am the Lord and I do not what? Change. God says his word abides forever. Do you see that? The word of the Lord remains forever. Verse 23, it is the abiding word of God. His word abides forever. God said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. The Bible says that God's word is forever settled in heaven. God's word is completely reliable. Therefore, what does that mean? That means that God's word can be our compass because it's completely reliable. It's the one fixed point in this confusing world in which we live. The word of God alone can tell us what is true north. Not long ago, I was watching a one of, the, one of the broadcasts of, of the documentary movie, Band of Brothers. Some of you may be familiar with that, follows Easy Company. Uh, the paratroopers who, paratro uh, they were part of the invasion of Normandy and follows that company, Stephen Ambrose, great book written about that. And one of the real heroes of that Band of Brothers was Lieutenant Winters who went on to be Captain Winters and Major Winters before the war is over. But on just a few hours after they dropped into Normandy and they were scattered everywhere and they're just a few men trying to find each other in the darkness with their little clickers. And they didn't know where they were and they're looking to him. He said, who's got a light? And someone gave a little flashlight and then they, he put a tarp over his head and he takes out a map and he puts that compass, a little compass on top of that map. It's pitch black. You're surrounded by the enemy. You've dropped in. You're, you're not in your drop zone. What do you need to know? Where is true north? You ever feel like you've just been dropped into a dark place? You don't know where you are and you feel like you're surrounded by the enemy? What do we need to know? What is true north? We need to look at our compass. 
I may be completely confused. The people that are around me may be confused. I may feel like I'm under attack. So what do I need? I need to know true north. The word of our God abides forever. It's our compass. Our compass is completely reliable. It's the word of God. And our compass is completely relevant. You you know what? I almost laugh out loud sometimes when, and I understand, I'm not trying to be cynical. I I fight that and I I lose a lot. But I I read sometimes of churches that maybe they're getting started or whatever is happening. I don't know and say, you know, our church here has relevant Bible messages. Relevant Bible messages. And I, I understand that. But listen, the Bible's always relevant. The problem is irrelevant speakers. Okay, that's the problem. Not the book. The book is relevant. Why? Because it's eternal. This book has been guiding generations for hundreds and thousands of years. Guess what? This book was around before the millennials or the Gen Xers, or the Busters, or the Boomers, or the, I don't know what else went before that. We are so self-consumed, we think the world has to create a new name for us every five or six years. There's never been anybody like us. We are radically different. (laughs) Oh yeah, sure. We're not. We're all wanderers and pilgrims. And thank God, from generation to generation, in all cultures, in societies, in all situations, the word of God remains. It's relevant. What do you need on a journey? You need a good guide. (laughs) You can't get a better one. This book is our guide. It guides us into what is true, what is false. This this book is not just our guide. This book is our interpreter. Have you ever been in another country and had an interpreter and weren't you thankful for that interpreter? Because sometimes, you know, you're just not understanding and they're not understanding you and, and things can go wrong. I remember a, a, I was sharing with some folks last night, a friend of mine, he became a missionary to New Zealand many years ago. And he studied the language and he was ready to, pre, to, prayer, uh, to prepare his first message in that uh, particular dialect. And so he worked and worked and worked and prepared it. I, and I was asking, I said, well, how'd it go? And he said, well, he said, let me tell you, I was, I was sharing my, my sermon and he says, the, the folks gathered around me, they're sitting on the ground, they were looking at me like this, their head would go like this and head would go like this. And he said, I knew they were believers, you know, yet, but they're just like, like this and looking at it like this. And he said, what I didn't know is that the word, I was speaking about the Holy Spirit and the word for spirit and turtle are very close in that dialect. <laughs> So I I preached a whole sermon on the holy turtle. (laughs) 
he's talking about being filled with the holy turtle and not to, not to, not to grieve the holy turtle. And people are like, what? You need an interpreter. God's word interprets life for you. God's word helps you to understand what is real and what's phony. What's genuine and what's counterfeit? What is just grass and flowers that's going to fade? And what is of the word of God that remains forever? Thank God that we have this guide and interpreter and this friend and companion, the Bible. But for God's word to be powerful upon us, I want you to notice this, friends, it must first be within us. If it's gonna be powerful upon our lives, it must first be within our lives. And that's Peter's next challenge. He challenges these believers to prepare for God's word within your life. Remember the power of God's word on your life. That's what saved you. The power of the word of God. But he says now, as you go on this journey, prepare for God's word within your life. Look what he says you must do to prepare. Verse one, it connects. The thought connects. So you have this word. So you've been born again by the word of God. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. As so, as a result, as a result, it is true, you have the living and abiding word of God that has brought you life. So this is true, therefore prepare Prepare your heart to continue receiving it. And for your heart to continue receiving the word of God powerfully, sometimes some things have got to go. Some things have got to go. He says, notice, put away. Put away all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Put away. That's a very interesting word. Put away. You know what it means literally? Strip it off. Strip it off like you would a filthy shirt or blouse or outfit. Strip it off because you want to receive the word. You got to strip this off. You know, yesterday, you might have noticed it's just a tad warm yesterday. <laughs> might have noticed that. And I was working in the garage. Now, I said, they said it's 93 in the heat index, 99 in the garage. <laughs> it was really, really hot. So I was working in there, getting some things organized. And then we had an appointment with some friends for a, a gathering, even just a social gathering, someone's home. And you can imagine if I came in and we, we needed to leave, you know, maybe... 20 minutes till five. If I just came straight in wearing those clothes that I've been on the garage, I said, okay, honey, I'm ready to go. And she said, no way. No, 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 no. I mean, there's no way she's gonna let me go to this meal 
with these other friends smelling like a wet dog. She's just not going to allow that, you know, a, a soaked shirt and pants. See, no, that's, that's got to go. You got to get cleaned up, put something fresh on, then we'll go. Friends, likewise, be, before we can receive good food, before we can receive good food, we've got to be willing to remove our filth. Before you can receive God's food, you've got to be willing to remove your filth, specifically the filth of the spirit. How often we want to focus on the outward, but he says, you've got to deal with the spirit that's filthy. A hateful spirit that leads to hateful speech. You notice he, he mentions three categories here in verse one. All of them begin with, the, the categories begin with the word all. Did you see that three times? All, 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 all. He says, you, you've got to strip away all malice. That means ill will. You gotta deal with your ill will toward any person if you want to receive the word of God powerfully. You've got to remove, you've got to strip off, strip this filthiness off all deceit, hypocrisy, and envy. Deceit means misrepresentation. It means inside your intent is to misrepresent yourself. You've got to strip that off. You've got to strip off hypocrisy. That, that has to do with your manner. The word here is hypocrites. Hypocrites was a word that was used to define or describe an actor. You know why? Because actor in, in the Greek plays would wear a mask. And the mask would portray the character or quality of the person who was in the play, but the person behind the mask would be different. Hypocrisy means you have a mask. You're not really inwardly what you're portraying outwardly. He says they got to deal with that filth. All deceit, hypocrisy, deceit is misrepresentation. Hypocrisy is your manner and envy has to do with your motive. Envy. The motive of just wanting to be a little better. Wanting to measure up, wanting to maybe be a little better. And then that leads to what comes out. You see, what's in comes out and it leads to all slander. Slander here simply just means to speak against. To speak against. That's an amazing thing when you think about it. You know, we could, we could just pause right here and it'd be powerful. Here's what the Lord showed me from this. When he talks about the word of God and I've got to deal with slander that is speaking against others. 
what he is saying is that how we speak about others determines how we speak about others determines how we hear from God. You can't speak against others and think for a moment you're going to hear from God. He's telling us some of us need to deal with how we speak about folks. And we need to go a little deeper than those words and we need to go down to the hypocrisy, the envy, to the malice that is bringing those words up. You see, friends, what is in the well of your soul is going to come up in the bucket of your mouth. Out of the heart, a man speaks. I'm gonna tell you, not a better time or place than right here to examine your motives, examine your relationships with others so that you can receive the word of God. Malice brings malnourishment. Some people reading and reading and reading and reading and reading the Bible and they're starving to death spiritually. You know why? Because they've never dealt with the malice in their heart. Maybe malice toward mom and dad, malice toward your wife, malice toward a business partner or a neighbor, malice toward someone you go to school with and you're reading the Bible but it's not changing you because the Lord says until you deal with the malice, you're going to remain malnourished. God has provided in his word our nourishment for the entire journey. And so the last thing very quickly I want you to notice is he gives these reminders to, re, to remember, to, to deal with this hint, these hindrances to the word of God and to remember the power of the word of God. He says, remember that you've got to pursue the word of God. You've got to pursue the word of God throughout your life. And he uses the most powerful and most beautiful image of pursuing God's word. Did you remember this? Verse two, like newborn infants, long. <laughs> and that's the only time this, this, this expression is used. This word long is the image of a, of a child nursing from his or her mother's breast, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. I want to ask you, is, is there anything more upset than a hungry baby? <laughs> Whoa. A hungry baby can take over a worship service like that. I'm telling you. I don't know. There can be a thousand people, one hungry baby. I understand. But is there anything more content? Is there anything more content than a nursing baby? Just so content, peaceful. You see, God's plan is that you be hungry. And in that hungry, hunger for God, you... You 
find happiness in his word. His, his word is the, the spiritual milk that's feeding you and out of that happiness, that leads to healthiness. See, God makes us hungry so that we'll want the word so that the word will bring joy to our hearts and then also we'll be healthy. We'll be healthy children. Peter challenges us to be hungry for the word of God. He says, he says, long for it, long for the pure spiritual milk. Isn't that beautiful? The word of God. Pure spiritual milk. The word of God forever settled in heaven. Pure spiritual milk. He says, desire it that you may grow up into salvation. Grow up into. You say, well, I've, I've been born again. Right. That's just the beginning, right? Grow up into salvation. Grow in this grace and in the knowledge of the Lord, as we will see later on. We grow up with this pure spiritual milk. How do you, how do you know if you're growing in the word of God? How do you know you're growing? Let me just give you these three words very quickly. You know that you're growing and what the word of God will do for you, you will grow in worship. See, the Bible, Jesus said, we're to worship God in spirit and in truth. Spirit means your spirit, all you are, and in truth, all he is. Worship is me responding with all I am, my spirit, to all he is, truth. Where do I encounter that? The word of God. I'll tell you what. The word of God will reveal the Lord to your eyes. And you worship him for who he really is. I want to tell you folks, a lot of people going to church are worshiping the unknown God. They don't know him. I'm not saying that they are not believers in Jesus, but if you want to know God, he reveals himself in this book. This is where you behold your God, spirit and truth. You'll be growing in worship. You'll grow in wisdom. You'll understand what God thinks. You'll think God's thoughts after him. You, you will understand how God values and perceives things. You will grow in wisdom, the application of God's truth. And you will grow in witness. Because see, when you know the word of God, now you have really something worth saying. <laughs> All the opinions in the world do no one any good. But God's word is powerful. What God gives to you, he gives to you so you can share with others. The word of God's gonna cause you to grow in worship and in wisdom and in your witness. Some people say, well, I don't know how to read the Bible. How, how do you do that? How do you, how do you do that? Well, I, I don't know how to make it more easy for you than just say, you know, you just... 
as I've shared with you before, you just reap it. You just reap it. If you can remember, reap. You can remember how to read the Bible so that it makes a difference in your life. Reap, R-E-A-P. R, read it. Read it carefully. Don't run through it. Just, just, you say, well, where do I get started? Just get started. <laughs> just start, okay? I, I can recommend maybe the Gospels first, but just let's just start. But read it carefully, read it. But then after you read it, examine it. I, examine it. What's happening in this passage? What, what, what words or phrases are being used in this passage? What do I notice about God in this passage? What do I learn about Christ in this passage? What do I see about people in this passage? What in this passage reminds me of something else in another passage? That's where a study Bible helps you. You can compare scripture with scripture. And then you apply it. And apply means I statements. You apply it to yourself. How does what you read, you've just read, how is it applying to your life right now? And then, don't forget this, pray it. Pray it back to God. Maybe it's praise. You just take time to praise him for what he's given to you, what you've seen of him in the word. Maybe it's confession, that you confess where you fall short. Maybe it's intercession. Somebody's come to your heart and you want, you want to lift them up to the Lord, but you, you're turning it back toward the Lord. It's a meditation that's happening. I'll, I don't know how to make it easier for you than, other, than tell you this. I'll even give you a, a reap guide for a book. How about the gospel, Mark? If you're not having devotions, do you want to... Okay, let's, let's get into the Bible. How about the Gospel of Mark? How about if I just give you an entire reap guide to the Gospel of Mark? All you gotta do is just say, Sam, I'd like to have that. Just shoot a text, go to the website. And for the next 30 days, just one page at a time, you know, I've even written out the questions you could ask for yourself. Why do I say this? Because this is just a process that works for a lifetime. You, you read it, you examine it, you apply it, you pray it, and you can share it with others. It speaks to your heart. And folks, when I'm talking about the, the spiritual milk of the food this morning, please, I'm telling you as your pastor, it's like I'm standing here and saying, please open up, open up for Pastor Sam. Please, please, please. I'll, I'll drop it right in. <laughs> but if you don't, if you don't, if you want to work on that, or maybe you and a, your wife or husband would like to have devotions together, maybe with your family, maybe you just like to get some folks together and do that right here. It's available, free. Get into the word of God. Verse three says this. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now that doesn't mean, well, maybe you're saved and maybe you're not. It means since indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. You will love and grow by his word. And what a beautiful reminder this morning. Our God is good, right? And when we receive Christ by faith, 
we taste and see that the Lord is good. And my friend today, I beg you in Jesus' name, it's not through these elements, but it's through Christ alone. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's bow our heads as our friends are coming to service now. And as they come, we're going to receive this bread. This bread reminds us of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that was broken for us. And Jesus said, as often as you, as you take this bread, he said, do it in remembrance of me. And so this morning, as our heads bowed, let's prepare our hearts now. Is there malice? Is there envy? Has evil speaking been going on? Right now, through confession, strip it away. Strip it away that you may receive the word of God. Thank you, Lord.